Section 22 of Light Science for Leisure Hours. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Light Science for Leisure Hours by Richard A. Proctor. Influence of Marriage on the Death Rate. The Royal Commission on the Law of Marriage has attracted attention to many singular and instructive results of modern statistical inquiry. Not the least important of these is the apparent influence of marriage on the death rate. For several years it has been noticed by statisticians that the death rate of unmarried men is considerably higher than the death rate of married men and widowers. I believe that Dr. Stark, Registrar-General for Scotland, was one of the first to call attention to this peculiarity, as evidenced by the results of two years' returns for Scotland. But the law has since been confirmed by a far wider range of statistical inquiry. The relative proportion between the death rates of the married and of the unmarried is not absolutely uniform in different countries, but it is fairly enough represented by the following table, which exhibits the mortality per thousand of married and unmarried men in Scotland. Ages 20 to 25, husbands and widowers, 626, unmarried, 1,231. Ages 25 to 80, husbands and widowers, 823, unmarried, 1,494. Ages 30 to 35, married, 865, unmarried, 1594. Ages 35 to 40, married, 1167, unmarried, 1602. Ages 40 to 45, married, 1407, unmarried, 1835. Ages 45 to 50, married, 1704, unmarried, 2118. Ages 50 to 55. Married, 1954. Unmarried, 2634. Ages 55 to 60. Married, 2614. Unmarried, 2854. Ages 60 to 65. Married, 3563. Unmarried, 4454. Ages 65 to 70. Married, 5,293. Unmarried, 6,021. Ages 70 to 75. Married, 8,156. Unmarried, 10,271. Ages 75 to 80. Married, 11,785. Unmarried, 14,394. Ages 80 to 85. Married, 17,388. Unmarried, 19,540. From this table, we are to understand that out of 100,000 married persons, including widowers, from 20 to 25 years old, 626 die in the course of each year, while out of a similar number of unmarried persons between the same ages, no less than 1,231 die in each year. And... In like manner, all the other lines of the table are to be interpreted. Commenting on the evidence supplied by the above figures, 
Dr. Stark stated that bachelorhood is more destructive to life than the most unwholesome trades, or than residence in an unwholesome house or district, where there has never been the most distant attempt at sanitary improvement of any kind. And this view has been very generally accepted not only by the public, but by professed statisticians. Yet, as a matter of fact, I believe that no such inferences can legitimately be drawn from the above table. Dr. Stark appears to me to have fallen into the mistake, which M. Quetelet tells us is so common, of trying to make his statistics carry more weight than they are capable of bearing. It is important that the matter should be put in a just light, for the Royal Commission on the Law of Marriage has revealed no more striking fact than that of the prevalence of immature marriages, and such reasoning as Dr. Stark's certainly cannot tend to discourage these unwise alliances. If death strikes down in five years only half as many of those who are married as of those who are unmarried between the ages of twenty and twenty-five, as appears from the above table, and if the proportion of deaths between the two classes goes on continually diminishing in each successive luster, as is also shown by the above table, it seems reasonable to infer that the death rate would be even more strikingly disproportionate for persons between the ages of fifteen and twenty than for persons between the ages of twenty and twenty-five. I believe, indeed, that if Dr. Stark had extended his table to include the former ages, the result would have been such as I have indicated. Yet few will suppose that very youthful marriages can exercise so singularly beneficial an effect. To many, Dr. Stark's conclusion may appear to be a natural and obvious sequitur from the evidence upon which it is founded. Admitting the facts, and I see no reason for doubting them, it may appear at first sight that we are bound to accept the conclusion that matrimony is favorable to longevity. Yet the consideration of a few parallel cases will suffice to show how small a foundation the figures I have quoted supply for such a conclusion. What would be thought, for example, of any of the following inferences? Among hothouse plants there is observed a greater variety and brilliance of color than among those which are kept in the open air. Therefore, the housing of plants conduces to the splendor of their coloring. Or again, the average height of life guardsmen is greater than that of the rest of the male population. Therefore, to be a life guardsman conduces to tallness of stature. Or, to take an example still more closely illustrative of Dr. Stark's reasoning, the average longevity of noblemen exceeds that of untitled persons. Therefore, to have a title is conducive to longevity. Or, borrowing his words, to remain without a title is more destructive to life than the most unwholesome trades, or than residence in an unwholesome house or district where there has never been the most distant attempt at sanitary improvement of any kind. We know that the inference is absurd in each of the above instances, and we are able at once to show where the flaw in the reasoning lies. We know that splendid flowers are more commonly selected for housing, and that life guardsmen are chosen for their tallness, so that we are prevented from falling into the mistake of ascribing splendor of color in the one instance or tallness in the other to the influence of causes 
which have nothing whatever to do with those attributes nor is anyone likely to ascribe the longevity of our nobility to the possession of a title yet there is nothing in any one of the above inferences which is in reality more unsound than dr stark's inference from the mortality bills when the latter are considered with due reference to the principles of interpretation which statisticians are bound to follow the fact is that in dealing with statistics the utmost care is required in order that our inferences may not be pushed beyond the evidence afforded by our facts in the present instance we have simply to deal with the fact that the death rate of unmarried men is higher than the death rate of married men and widowers from this fact we cannot reason as dr stark has done to a simple conclusion all that we can do is to show that one of three conclusions must be adopted either matrimony is favorable directly or indirectly to longevity in a degree sufficient wholly to account for the observed peculiarity or a principle of selection the effect of which is such as on the whole to fill the ranks of married men from among the healthier and stronger portion of the community operates in a sufficient degree to account wholly for the observed death rates or lastly the observed death rates are due to the combination in some unknown proportion of the two causes just mentioned no reasonable doubt can exist as it seems to me that the third is the true conclusion to be drawn from the evidence supplied by the mortality bills unfortunately the conclusion thus deduced is almost valueless because we are left wholly in doubt as to the proportion which subsists between the effects to be ascribed to the two causes thus shown to be in operation it scarcely required the evidence of statistics to prove that each cause must operate to some extent it is perfectly obvious on the one hand that although hundreds of men who would be held by insurance companies to be bad lives may contract marriage yet on the whole a principle of selection is in operation which must tend to bring the healthier portion of the male community into the ranks of the married and to leave the unhealthier in the state of bachelorhood a little consideration will show also that on the whole the members of the less healthy trades very poor persons habitual drunkards and others whose prospects of long life are unfavorable must on the average of a large number be more likely to remain unmarried than those more favorably situated another fact drawn from the registrar-general's return suffices to prove the influence of poverty on the marriage rate i refer to the fact that marriages are invariably more numerous in seasons of prosperity than at other times improvident marriages are undoubtedly numerous but prosperity and adversity have their influence and that influence not unimportant on the marriage returns on the other hand it is perfectly obvious that the life of a married man is likely to be more favorable to longevity than that of a bachelor the mere fact that a man has a wife and family depending upon him will suffice to render him more careful of his health less ready to undertake dangerous employments and so on and there are other reasons which will occur to every one for considering the life of a married man better in the sense of the insurance companies 
than that of a bachelor in fact while we are compelled to reject dr stark's statement that bachelorhood is more destructive to life than the most unwholesome trades or than residence in an unwholesome house or district where there has never been the most distant attempt at sanitary improvement of any kind we may safely accept his opinion that statistics prove the truth of one of the first natural laws revealed to man it is not good that man should live alone from the daily news october seventeenth eighteen sixty eight end of section twenty two recording by linda johnson